Whenever there's a lack of competition, it seems like there's always some sort of a door that may open up for somebody to say, hey, well, I'll at least take this piece of the pie. And so they're limiting their risk. I mean, I'm only covering this part of it. And it just breeds just more creativity. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is J.T. Lynch. Today, we're learning about multifamily real estate insurance, why rates have been going up so much in many of the Gulf states, but also other areas. If you're in the multifamily space, you've almost certainly seen this happen. And if you haven't yet seen this happen to one of your deals, you need to be on the lookout for it because insurance rates have gone up considerably and we need to know what we're getting into as multifamily investors before we buy a deal and accidentally, you know, have rates go up unexpectedly. We need to know what we're getting into ahead of time. And by understanding the insurance industry, we can better mitigate that risk and not have our rates go up unexpectedly or in an unplanned way. Know what we're getting into. And the first step to do that is to get educated by JT Lynch today. So many great lessons. He is a passive real estate investor as well. So we learn some of his principles for making sure a sponsor has adequately planned and budgeted for their insurance bill and so much more. A lot of great lessons in this one, especially for the multifamily investors out there listening today. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investments. To date, I've acquired, invested in, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate deals. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is JT Lynch. We're talking multifamily insurance. So important. Let's go. JT, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to dig into the world of multifamily insurance. It's been a huge topic for about the last year or so in the multifamily investment space. Before, before we dive into the topic, though, can you tell us our, our listeners a bit about yourself, your business, your background? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. JT Lynch, I'm an insurance broker with Ramey King Insurance. We're located in Dallas, family-owned and operated. We've been around actually since 1811 and 1899, 1898 in Dallas, but we're licensed all over the nation. So any property you're looking at, we are happy to help with. And we're not just multifamily either. We're full service brokerage. So I've got clients that have trucking companies, construction, you name it. We can do everything. We even have a personal lines department. But for the past 35 years, we have specialized in multifamily insurance. I don't even know how. It's just a niche that <laughs> my boss got into, and it's it. It is a crazy niche to be into. There's not many brokers that are in it, and then there's not many carriers that are willing to write multifamily, depending on where you are. So it's a good niche to be in. It's challenging, and I love the real estate aspect myself. So I'm a passive investor too, and learning a lot as I go. So awesome, great. So. Insurance has been a big topic of discussion, like I said, for the last year or so, but rates really started going up in a lot yeah. of the Gulf states. I'm not sure exactly when, but I've experienced it as you know, a property owner in those areas. I guess we'll start with why. Why did the rates go up so much? In like yeah, where, where are your properties today? Florida? Florida. I own some property in Houston and then other areas that weren't as affected, but Florida especially. Yeah, there's several reasons, but one of the biggest is natural disasters. So 
the storms that we've seen lately, those are going to drive up premiums. The ice storms in Texas, that didn't help anybody. And it was interesting because the damage from those one particular incident or one property really wasn't a ton of damage. Broken pipes, you know, that's not like a, a flood or something like that, but when it affects the entire state and everybody has broken pipes and plumbers are coming from New Jersey and this really happened, plumbers were coming from the Northeast with their materials to help out. Yeah, that's a, that's a wow. big problem. And the state is huge. So that's, that's a lot of, a lot of claims to be made. Right. And, and whenever hurricanes occur, lots of claims are going to be made there as well. And whenever you get that pool that's running low, they've, they've got to recoup that somehow. And that comes in the forms of premiums. And if you're thinking, well, I'm my property's in North Carolina, you know, what does that have to do with me? Well, that carrier is also in Florida and in North Carolina as well. And they've got to recoup that somehow. And the other thing that's happening, especially in Florida are there's carriers that are saying that it's just not worth it. I'm the, the premium we're getting versus claims paying out. It's not worth it. Why don't I just write habitational somewhere else? And so they, they're actually, a lot of them are pulling out of Florida and not writing there at all, which then limits the amount of carriers that are left there to even pull more weight when a claim happens and then taking even, you know, more of the brunt of it. So it's, it's, it's getting even trickier. I know that the laws in Florida make it so litigation can happen around claims a lot easier too. Uh, so I think that they're working on that. So there's less storm chasing kind of attorneys trying to get more out of each claim. So I, I think that they're working on that. And uh, now it's, they're, they're, they're carriers are getting more, we're all trying to get more creative with our coverages. So you'll have one carrier because appetites are changing a little bit. You'll have one carrier that'll say, you know, I'll write the, uh, the property, but I won't, I, I won't write the wind and hail. Right. But my lender requires, I need, I need wind coverage, right? I'm on the Gulf. I'm in Galveston, whatever. Well, we'll go to another carrier that will write wind only. Mm. And then we'll go to another carrier for general liability, another one for umbrella. And we'll get uh, creative that way. And I was just on the phone with an, an underwriter and a lot of people in Florida now are going to one carrier for property only minus wind and then going to citizens, which is kind of a government funded, uh, carrier for their wind coverage, but they don't include loss of rents or business income coverage. So now other carriers are saying, well, well, there's money to be made now I'll, I'll cover at least, you know, the loss of rents. And so now there's even another layer coming in. So. It, it is going up, but I think that as long as there's not any huge natural disaster that comes here shortly, I, I think that things are going to get more creative and kind of balance themselves out a little bit more. So interesting. Okay. So yeah, it's a big problem, but as long as there's money to be made, then uh, firms will step in and that's the, that's how, you know, capitalism works. That's, yeah. that's the whole idea here, but it's definitely concerning when we start talking about lenders pulling out of areas like Florida, reducing competition. Is there a risk of, of getting to the point where there's, you know, one or two players in terms of the carriers in the state of Florida, Florida, so that there's effectively so little price competition that, you yeah. know, the race just continue to go up and up and up. I mean, it, it sure looks like it is, was going there at least for a while, but like you said, whenever, whenever there's a lack of competition, it's, it seems like it, there's always some sort of a door that may open up, you know, for somebody to say, Hey, well, I'll at least take this piece of the pie. Right. And so they're limiting their risk. I mean, I'm only covering this part of it and it just breeds just more creativity, I guess. So I, I don't know if we'll ever get there. I don't know if the 
Florida government will allow that either. So they may have to do th some things to protect themselves, but also, you know, if you've got a property that's right on the coast, that's just getting slammed by hurricanes all the time, you've got to do some things on your own too. I mean, right now your name storm deductible is going to be five or 10% depending on where you are that you're self-insuring at that point, right? So you've got to do some safeguards to your property, whatever these storms are coming in so that you're not taking these losses. And the more people are doing that and just get in the habit of doing that. And I feel like that was kind of what people did. I don't know. I, my, my mother grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas, and she told me stories just about everyone boarding up their windows like crazy. And it's just all these things that they used to do. And now it just seems like people just leave, you know? So, so maybe it has more to do with that as well. The other thing that increased premiums is the increased cost of construction and inflation, the just building materials, right? And so when you had a property that at replacement costs was $80 a square foot, and maybe you've been, maybe you've had that property for eight years and it's kind of grandfathered in, haven't changed it or anything. Well, now replacement costs, depending on where you are, could be 110, 120, maybe, maybe more per square foot. Well, Taylor, when you get a loss, you make a claim and you're only insured at about $80 a square foot, and it's actually 120 to rebuild it. Well, now you're, well, you're going to be there, have a gap, right? What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. So all these carriers really happened around probably the turn of the, this last year in January kind of got together. I don't know if they got together, but all of them said at renewal, all of these, we need to right size these, whatever was at 80 or whatever was below, we need to get them up to what it is realistically nowadays. So not only was there a normal four to 8% rate increase, but also that increase in square footage values. And so that's when you might be in Dallas or even North Carolina and say, man, I got a 38% increase. It wasn't necessarily the rate. It was all the above. I, I know that owners don't want to hear that. And you know, that that's not a great excuse, but I mean, at least you're right sized now. And, and when there is a claim to be made, at least you'll know that you're, you're covered for the increased cost of construction. So that, that was a big part of it too. Okay. Interesting. You know, it's surprising to me. I was just thinking about this the other day that it, it's surprising that I don't we don't really see he like headlines about this. And I would imagine that this increase, mm. just say stick with the state of Florida or what have you, this cost increase in insurance has got to be hitting homeowners, you know, owner occupants oh, yeah. as well. Right. And I would expect that to be like national news. Maybe I'm just missing these headlines, but I'm a, I only hear about it from other investors. I don't hear about it on the yeah. news. Well, I guess if you watch some of these insurance headlines like I do, you, you would see it, but, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's hitting residential as well. I know my, my insurance has gone up, heck, even your personal auto insurances are going up as well. So yeah, I, I think it's out there. Less people are talking about it because of all the other stuff that's going on, but yeah, I, I it's, it's nationwide and, and it's hurting a lot of, a lot of people. So. Yeah. And insurance is important. It's part of our lives, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's property or auto or our, our health or what have you. Our, our life in general for your life insurance. And I think sometimes when the, just the word insurance comes up, people's eyes glaze, glaze over and they stop yeah, listening, yeah. unfortunately, but it's very yeah, important. It's not, not the sexy thing to talk about, but <laughs> ne necessary evil for sure. And yeah, you know, talks like this, I never like to get into the weeds about coverages or anything like that. And always welcome to talk with anybody about that. But that's, that's when you really see their eyes glaze over and talk about different limits and things like that. But really the, the state of the market, where it is, where it's going, things to look out for. Those are the things I like to talk to investors about the most. Absolutely. So for our listeners out there who are 
considering or looking at you know, passive investing and multifamily, you passively invest in deals mm-hmm. and you have this expertise in insurance. What are some things that they can think about to to make sure that the operator has really thought about you know the insurance rates if they're buying a building? You know they're not going to have hopefully not going to have a a premium that's, you know, twice what they underwrote or what have you. What are some steps that passive investors can take to hopefully mitigate those risks in their deals? Yeah. I'd want to see their underwriting if, if available to make sure that they do have a correct number in there. I've seen a ton of times where someone's underwriting a deal, but then they, you know, pencil in $400 a door for insurance because that's what the OM says. Well, that, you know, the OM, I, I don't think the broker is necessarily trying to deceive you. At least I hope not. I, I just think they don't know. They honestly don't know what it is. They they heard a number, $400 a door, and that's what they put there. So I, I would want to see it, their underwriting, if you could, just to see what, they're, what they've got there, especially if you're around the Gulf. We've seen stuff in Florida right now that's, you know, $1,200 a door. Is, is, that's not unheard of. I've seen stuff that's $2,000 a door, you know, even more. So it's, if something doesn't sound right and, and, and it's in Florida, like, yeah, I, I would start asking questions, right? And I always tell people this, I'll, I'll get asked all the time, you know, so I shouldn't buy in Florida. No, it doesn't mean that at all. Just know what you're getting into and underwrite properly. If it's a great deal, it's a great deal. Even at $2,000 a door, who cares? Just pay, you know, plan for it and know what you're getting into and, and then you'll be fine, right? How do you know what it's going to be? Well, one way you can do it is you can contact me. I will give out a free insurance estimate before you even submit an LOI. So just send me an email with the rent roll, the T12 and the OM. And based on like-kind properties, I currently insure in the area. I'll send you a free estimate. We've been doing this so long. A lot of times I've insured, I might insure it already. I've insured (laughs) in the past. I know the owner, I know the brokers. I've already looked at it probably for another buyer. So just send it to me and I'll get you a lot closer than that T12 and OM will be. And, and yeah, if the GP hasn't done something like that, then yeah, I would encourage them to for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, if that's available, that's, that's fantastic. So there's the topic of insurance being more expensive than, you know, we thought it was going to be. What about a property just turning out to be uninsurable for one reason or another based on location, age, the details of the yeah. property, you know, whatever. There's a lot of things that, that can go wrong. What are your thoughts about that? Do you run into that very often, especially in larger syndication deals? Yeah, I wouldn't say uninsurable, but there there are some things that make it extremely challenging. The, the biggest thing is location, right? There's going to be a huge difference in the policy that you get and the premium you get out of that policy based on if you're next to the coast versus if you're in Phoenix. Phoenix doesn't have natural disasters, right? You'll see roofs that are 30 years old and they look great because nothing happens out there. So premiums are are really low. I don't know how insurance guys survive out there because premiums are so low. So just think about the the storms and natural disasters in that area that could occur and the risk there. Obviously closer to the water, closer to the Gulf, there could be more risk, but age definitely for sure. I mean, what's crazy is you, you see a 1990s building and to me, that still seems new, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's 33 years old, it's 33 years old. And so when you're looking at, you know, these seventies products and, and things like that, yeah, they're really old. They're getting really, really old. Right. And then you know about the, the wiring problems, the aluminum wiring was what, 1965 to 1982, something like that. There's a copper shortage. So instead of using copper, they started using aluminum wiring problem with that is it, it started causing fires. 
So carriers don't like that. So you have to mitigate that wiring with either pigtail or some, there's some other forms. So with those properties, you need to look at the wiring as well. And that's going to cost a lot of money to mitigate that after you buy it. And that's what a carrier is going to ask you to do. Same with the Stablock breakers by Federal Pacific. Those breaker boxes have known not to trip whenever there's a heavy load and that's really all they're designed to do, right? So those have been known to cause fires and Zensco breakers do the same thing and the same time period too. So those age groups, those are things that you want to look out for, for sure. Great. So a lot of that sounds like it can be reasonably well mitigated by somebody going and looking at the property and seeing what's actually yep. there. Yeah. Just do your homework, know what you're looking for, know how old the roof is. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at a property in Dallas and you're from Phoenix and you're used to having a 30 year old roof, there's not a roof in Dallas that's 30 years old, I promise <laughs> you. And the reason is, is we get huge hailstorms. I mean, golf ball size hailstorms three or four times a year. I mean, you can bank on it. That's why our wind hail deductibles are so high. That's why the insurance is so high in Dallas is because of the, the hailstorms that we get. So look at the roof. How old is the roof? If you buy this property and the roof is 15 years old, you're about to pay $500,000 for that new roof, right? So maybe get a lower deductible for that. Maybe not get a 5% wind hail deductible on your policy, right? Just some things to think about. Again, doesn't mean you don't buy that property, but know what you're getting into. You'd be surprised how many people you know, I'll ask, you know, they got, they've got their PSA going, it's under contract. They're real excited. And I'll ask them, how old is the roof? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, really? You spent how much money on this property? You know, but you know, they, they know everything else about the property. They've, they've, they've got the spreadsheet. They've gone over, you know, a thousand times, but yeah, it's like, well, wait, what kind of roof is it? I don't know. It's like, you don't <laughs> even know if it's asphalt shingles. Like, yeah. So sometimes it's as easy as just open your eyes. You know, is it a nice neighborhood? Well. I don't know. Would you go there at, at midnight with your wife? Oh, no, definitely not. Okay. Probably a high crime area. Doesn't mean it's bad, but know that, you know, there could be a higher general liability rate and you need to maybe increase security, get cameras, better lighting, things like that for your tenants. So things like that, that may seem obvious, but when you're, there's so much to know, there's so much to know when you're underwriting that some of these obvious things maybe that might not be so obvious. So a hundred percent. Yeah. We love learning about the things that <laughs> might be obvious, but might also, you know, not be if you're not in the know. So to me, insurance is really, it's, it's about two things, really offloading your risk onto someone else or an awful lot of someone else's. That's the whole point of insurance. And yep. then two, planning ahead for when things go wrong and to plan ahead, we have to know you know what our plan is when things go wrong if that makes sense so follow me yep. here i'm going somewhere with this i promise what are a couple of things one two things that in the multifamily space when people go to make a claim on their insurance and they find out i thought i was covered for this and it turns out nope what are some things that people find out that they're ultimately not covered for that because maybe they didn't understand their policy or you know whatever a million reasons but what are some of those yeah. things Trying to think, I think the biggest thing is people don't understand how their deductibles work. So maybe they have a, a kitchen fire, right? Which sounds really scary. Maybe looks really bad, right? And there's smoke damage in, in the surrounding units. And, and I'll, I'll have clients that say, hey, you know, they've got a kitchen fire and I need to make a claim. Okay. Is everyone okay? Did the authorities get called? Yeah, yeah. Property management. We got a write up. You know, this happened a week ago. Okay. How much, how much damage was there? Oh, it's bad, JT. It's, it's so bad. Okay. Did you have a contractor tell you how much damage there is? Oh, no. Well, get, get an estimate first. 
Well, why? Because your deductible is $25,000. So if your, you know, all other perils deductible is that high and there's, say there is $25,000 worth of damage, well, we're not making a claim, right? You're not going to recoup anything. Taylor, even if it was $30,000 worth of damage, are you really wanting to recoup $5,000 and have that on your ledger for the next five years? Probably not, right? So uh, yeah, I, th those are the things that a lot of people kind of, they, they don't really understand or they don't think about, you know, especially the wind hail coverage too. You know, 2% is not 2% of the damage that was done on the property. It's 2% of your building value. Mm. So if your building value is a, a $16 million, it's 2% it's of that, right? So it's not 2% of the damage that was occurred. It's 2% of that. It's that grand thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you're not going to make a claim because your fronts or whatever blew over, right? That, that was a wind damage. You're not going to make a claim because carport fell down probably, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The, you would make a claim if a huge hailstorm came through and all of your buildings needed new roofs. That that's what that's there for. But other than that, you're just not going to make a claim. So I, I think that that is the biggest not mistake or, or, you know, somewhere where people get tripped up. The other thing might be flood, flood zones. The good thing is, is if you're getting a loan, especially like an agency loan, Fannie or Freddie, the lenders are going to tell you, no, we need this, 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 and this. <laughs> and, and yeah, you're not going to get, there's no, these are the requirements and we're not going to get off of those. So I, I know all about that and how to stick to these requirements and no, we need this size umbrella and all that. So if you're in a flood zone, yeah, your lender's going to require flood insurance. There's sometimes where you're, you're in a zone. And when you look at the FEMA map, it's usually this brown area and that's a hundred year flood zone. So you'll talk to the owner and go, no, I'm not in a flood zone. I've been here for 25 years. It hasn't ever flooded. Well, it doesn't mean that it did flood there in 25 years. It doesn't mean that it will flood there next year, but within a hundred years, yeah, it will flood is what they're saying. So th those are things that I would look at too. Does that mean that if your lender's not requiring it, do you have to get it? No, but may maybe you should, right? It's your asset. You're spending a lot of money on it in a hundred year flood zone. That's not near as expensive as in these other zones. So I, I have clients that they want to be protected the, the best that they possibly can. And then I've got others that they're like, let it ride. I don't care. <laughs> Let's get it as cheap as possible. This is, it's a gamble, whatever. Most of my clients are somewhere there in the middle. They want to be affordable, but protected. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny how to, to weigh those risk tolerances. But yeah, I, th those are the biggest things that I could think of. Great. Awesome. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances, and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com Scroll down to the Stessa logo and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, JT, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I, I think so. I forgot them already, but we'll we'll <laughs> wing it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? All right. 
I was with a great company. It was a company based out of Ohio and basically they, they moved all their branches out of Texas, right? But this company was all about, all about the employee, all about giving back their, their company motto was just, I don't know, how, how can we give back to the community? How can we make this, the, their goal was always to be the best place to work every year. Right. And so I, I never knew how important that was until I was in that environment. Right. And then when they left, I didn't want to move to Ohio. So luckily I was, I got a good severance and I knew the kind of company that I wanted to be with. I didn't want to be with a huge corporate company that didn't really care about you. And I knew that I needed that, that camaraderie and that, and that type of atmosphere. And I think being able to tell myself that, 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 and, and luckily I had the severance, so I had the time, right. To find the right fit, to tell myself what I needed and what I wanted, that that's, that's the best investment that I've ever made. Nice. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Man, worst investment I've ever made. That is a great question. Man, now it's looking like my IRA right now. I just <laughs> lost so much money last year. The only money that I made last year was in, was in my real estate investments. Even my kids' Vanguard accounts, that my child's college savings accounts, which are supposed to be the, the tightest things ever, they lost money. Like, so I, I don't know. I guess I'll say that for now. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know anything about the stock market, but I do know something about real estate. So I'm actually doing a self-directed right now. I'm in the middle of it, just moving more money over. And my wife's like, well, just be careful. You got to retire one day. And it's like, well, this is retiring. It's the same thing. And I know more about this and it's, it's a tangible asset that's not going anywhere. And I know these clients and like, you know, so it seems safer to me. So yeah, I'll say IRA. Gotcha. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Business and investing, it's all about relationships, all of it. Multifamily is huge on relationships. And you know this, it's, it's really weird because it seems like a big, one big happy family. Everybody is really willing to help you, help you learn, help you grow. And the more you give, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, the more you're able to give to the next person, it'll come back to you tenfold. So don't, if you're at an event or conference or something like that, don't look for, and it's hard to do, but don't look for what I need from this event or, or from this person that I'm meeting for the first time, look for what I can help them with, right? Because if I can help, you know, connect them with Taylor for this podcast to, to meet new people or somebody, an attorney or, or whoever, they'll remember that. And they'll remember, oh yeah, JT insured. Yeah. He helped me connect with them and it comes back tenfold. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, that's, that's definitely it. Absolutely. I think people in the real estate industry seem to understand that principle quite a bit more than, than folks in other industries. I'm not really sure why, but that definitely seems yeah. to be the case. I, I don't know why either, but I guess cause there's enough to go around. It's not, it's competitive, but not, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, but yeah, I'm extremely glad to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, JT, thanks so much for joining us today, sharing all these lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? The easiest way is JT Lynch at RamyKing.com. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher 
in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.